Welcome to C3 Church, Queen's Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Well, I'm going to see a victory. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You know, God is about unity. That's where he brings blessing. So the enemy comes to bring disunity and that comes off and does it through our relationships. Our relationships can be our greatest joy and they can bring such strength to us, or they can, at times when they're not going well, bring us grief and disappointment, even hurt and offence. The devil's mission is to rob, kill and destroy, to bring that damage, but we know that our purpose is to have life to the full that Jesus gives, to live that life to the full, and that comes with a peace and an intimacy with God. The opposite of everything God desires for our life is what the enemy wants and so he comes to bring that destruction so we need to be aware we don't need to fear him but we need to be aware of his strategies that he does come with and as we explore part two today of peace just keeping our peace we will be equipped with the battle ahead we'll have our own strategies for defending the enemy and his schemes so that we can walk in that love and joy and peace and hope that life to the full that god has for us so Yes, so as I said, this is part two. We had peace uh, robbers last time, which I'll just do a quick recap later. So peace, the whole world is looking for it. We know every Miss Universe wants world peace, isn't that right? (laughs) Yet so few people seem to find it. So what is peace? It can be defined as tranquility, harmony, security, and sometimes even prosperity and well-being. And it's mentioned over 430 times in the Bible, so it must be pretty important. And there's different types of peace, including false peace, inner peace, peace with God and peace with man. And we looked at a couple of those last time. We looked at God's peace and inner peace and those things that can rob peace in these different areas. So they were sin. Sin causes a gap, a breach in our relationship with God. And that's why it's nearly impossible to have peace in our hearts and minds if we have a disconnect with Father God. Another thing is independence and self-centeredness instead of surrender to God and trusting him and walking in his ways. Desire to be in control. Anyone else? (laughs) I had a personal revelation of this. If you need to understand, you won't get the peace that passes all understanding. I'm working on that one. Striving in materialism instead of godly contentment and prayerlessness. So there's some of the things that can rob us of that. So in the New Testament, the primary Greek word for peace is irene, and it refers to rest and tranquility. And we know that when Jesus was born, the angels announced in Luke 2.14, Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. Amen. Isaiah had predicted the Messiah would be the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9, and he's called the Lord of Peace in 2 Thessalonians. So if Jesus is our example, he's our poster boy for what being a peacemaker is, it would be good to look at his example, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, I've done this, and it set me on a bit of a discovery of learning and revelation and even challenging my mindset and theology a little bit in this. Now, at the beginning of the year, we... Um, had many messages about the upside-down kingdom of God and it contains a richness of paradox which is very different to our earthly kingdom and its values. 
So we explore godly kingdom peace. As we do that, it's highlighted that this, again, is a paradox. So we send and receive Christmas cards, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. And we quote Jesus himself from the Sermon of the Mount, where he said in one of the seven Beatitudes, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be the sons of God. And we want that. But as Christians, our understanding of what we think peace is can rob us and make us think that we must avoid conflict at all costs. Don't have difficult conversations with peace and project a view that everything is fine. Keep the peace, we say. Don't rock the boat. But we have wrongly interpreted the, the teachings in the church today. It's misunderstood. If you look at peacemakers in the dictionary, it says, a mediator, a diplomat, a go-between, a pacifier. But that's not what it's about. Jesus was a peacemaker and his life was full of conflict, stress and trouble. True peacemakers disrupt worldly peace and bring war so that there can be true peace. And it makes sense. We send peacekeepers into areas of war, but they're not pacifists. They actually go in prepared to come against things that are not right. And sometimes conflict is involved, needed to bring a resolution. True peace doesn't come by pretending what is wrong is right. And it actually requires disrupting false peace. And that can lead to a journey of formation for us in our health and spiritual maturity and in our true discipleship with Jesus. So as we take a fresh look at the life and ministry of Jesus, we learn what a true peacemaker really is. So as I said before, Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. But it's not an accident that the next verse is, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. It doesn't say, I bless the peace lovers, or the peace wanters. Right? We all want peace, right? We all want to, we love peace. But it says we bless the peacemakers. It's an active word. We make peace. We engage in the world to make peace, which means we disrupt and there's going to be persecution and hostility and we may experience some rejection in that. So peacemaking is an intentional and ongoing decision to work towards peace and then maintain it. So Eugene Peterson, he wrote the message, he paraphrases it as showing people how to cooperate instead of competing and fighting. And he says, peacemaking involves actively confronting thoughts and actions that would destroy lasting peace. Peacemaking is a work of justice, recognising the sources of conflict and making things right. In a world that lusts for power and wealth, blessed are the peacemakers, for in the kingdom of heaven they will be called children of God, known this way because they express the character of God. So Jesus had to pass through spiritual war with his family, with his disciples, with the crowds, with the religious leaders, with the Romans to bring true peace. Luke 23, 5, the chief priests described Jesus. He stirs up the people all over Judea with his teaching. He was not coming in meek and mild, was he? He was stirring things up. And to the religious leaders of the time, he was called a troublemaker. He challenged the status quo. He actually confronted them with their hypocrisy. We know many examples of this. In Matthew 23, 13, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! 
You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those that enter who are trying to. Wow, Jesus, don't hold back. Tell us what you really think. Wow. Was he trying to keep the peace? Was he trying to keep everybody happy? I don't think so. Jesus was not a man pleaser, saying what people wanted to hear. He declared he was on earth to bring the kingdom of God, and he spoke out against anything contrary to that, even though it was not popular and it resulted in his death. So Mark 11, 15 on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And he taught them, he said, it is, not, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Yet Jesus could have quietly gone along with this. It had been going on for years and everyone accepted it. But he was had this godly anger that his father's house was being corrupted. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. Against all popularity contests, he spoke his mind in accordance with God's word. He knew he would, that this would put a target on his back, but he still spoke up instead of just slipping under the radar. And Jesus said in Matthew 10, 34, 38, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and he goes on. Now this sounds contrary to someone who's called to be a peacemaker, and so controversial, especially in that day, in those Eastern nations where the family and the loyalty and the family name is huge. And we've seen many times, especially in other nations, when someone actually makes a stand to follow Jesus, they're excommunicated, they're put out, especially when they go to full immersion water baptism. That seems to be something that really turns a family against their members. And it's a very hard thing to experience. Jesus is saying, I'm greater than the family, and only when we are for his sake willing to lose our families will we find our families. So trouble and conflict is part of the mission of Jesus. So true peacemakers disrupt false peace so we can experience kingdom peace. So what Jesus is saying in Blessed Are the Peacemakers, it is injustice to yourself, it's injustice to other people. If you're, you're not loving them when you keep silent but it has to flow out of a heart of love, not out of frustration and anger. And I've realised that there's many times in my life where I thought I was doing the right thing, keeping the peace, just making everybody happy, but I had no true inner peace because I didn't have boundaries, they weren't in place. And, you know, sweeping everything under the carpet, but you're actually tripping over the dirt that you've swept under there. And, and I wasn't full of peace, but instead I was full of resentment and frustration. It wasn't peacekeeping, it was false peace. And you know, maybe you can relate to some of my experiences. So Steve and I have some friends who are in the medical profession, they're very well off, and they like going out to expensive restaurants and wine. And when they go there, they have the entrees and the mains and the sweets and the everything and expensive bottles of wine. And that's great for them because they can afford that. But then 
you know, we think, well, we'll just have the mains because, you know, this is a little bit out of our budget. So then it comes to time of, you know, paying the bill. Let's just split the bill between the four couples and divide it up. And you're like, wait a minute. Not only am I paying this really expensive meal, now I'm subsidising yours as well, you know? We don't have that on your own seven times the amount that we do. And I know because they've told me. So <laughs> what, what do we do there? It's like, do I rock the boat, just keep the peace and go along with it and swear I'll never come out with them again and be full of resentment and stew over it, that's my, my go-to, or actually risk feeling embarrassed or rejected and say, oh, actually, guys, we just had remains and we're just, can we just pay for ours if that's okay? And it's, it's awkward because I didn't do that the first, time, first few times, we do now. And it's actually better to do that. And we've been in a safe place to do this and at least we go home feeling true peace and not anxious and stressed trying to work out how we're going to budget over the next couple of weeks or have, you know, wheat bits for every meal. So now, this is a light-hearted example, right? But maybe you can think of friendships where they're doing something as a group that you don't want to do or they're talking about something that you don't really agree with but you're afraid to speak up because you know if you do, you may lose some friends. They may reject you, so in the end you go along with it. Or you're taking responsibility and covering for people in a workplace or family that are under-functioning and you're making everything work and you don't speak up, you don't deal with the truth. Now, I had a flatmate years ago before I was married when I was single. She was great, but I'll just put it plainly, she was pretty lazy and messy <laughs> around the house and it got to the point where it was, I was so strung out and upset all the time, cleaning up after her and... I was just like, I just can't keep the peace anymore. I'm going to actually speak to her about it, which I did nicely. And I was so nervous as I knew she would be upset. And she didn't like it. And she went off to cry to her best friend. But fortunately for me, her best friend told her that what I said was actually true <laughs> and that she was being selfish and needed to lift her game and apologise to me and make things right, which she did. We made peace. And things were great around the home instead of me stewing and being resentful because I was cleaning up her mess all the time. You know, maybe you have holidays with family members or meals and there's so much unspoken stuff going on, but you're just trying to get through the dinner, then it's going to be okay. Everything is fine, like Ross and friends, it's fine, I'm fine, but it's not real, right? It's, it's all false peace. And I've experienced those too. I've asked a family member to please stop talking badly about me and one of their relatives. Oh, it was so awkward at the time. It feels easier to let it go, which in that case I did in many different scenarios over many months. But you know it gets to that point when there's unresolved conflict. You have that low level anxiety and that's just always there below the surface and it can affect your sleeping, exhibit as tension in your body. I grind my teeth at night, how delightful is that for my husband? And I carry tension in my shoulders and in my neck and jaw. So for me, I could identify this wasn't a good scenario. And you might show or exhibit that sort of anxiety in different ways. So I finally spoke up and it didn't go well at first. And I knew I was risking that family relationship. But she went to other people and they were actually grateful to me and they spoke up too later on, and that situation has improved immensely. 
and that whole thing is resolved and doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. And so it has genuinely brought peace to the whole extended family. I've been at friend's birthday where someone was really very critical of churches and other pastors. And in a social gathering, you're like, well, I don't need to mess up the night or say anything. But I actually felt really convicted. And I said, well, I really appreciate that you wouldn't critique other churches. You haven't walked in their shoes and you don't know their circumstances or what they're going through and the call of God on their life, what they've sacrificed. And other times I said to people, don't speak about my pastor or leaders like that. I don't want to hear that. If you've got something that needs clarification or sorting, conflict that needs resolving, you go to that person, you sort it out biblically. But don't you be talking to me or anyone else about it. I've actually pulled away from people over the years because I don't need to risk my walk with God by listening to or giving any credence to that. You know, I learned early on that if someone is talking to you about someone else, then behind your back they're going to be talking about you to someone else. I don't need people like that in my life. I have loyal, true friends who are just beautiful and I can trust them. And here's something to contemplate. Do the people you spend time with lead you to be more godly, closer to God and his people? Or are they pulling you away, sowing negativity? If you're offended or upset with someone, where do you go from there? If you're feeling like there's something that you need to resolve that you don't have peace about, first pray and ask God to help you forgive or to show grace. Ask him for wisdom to know what to do. Most things should just be forgiven and move on. Not gossiped about with everyone else except the person you've got the issue with. But if it's important and you feel Holy Spirit wants you to actually resolve that, then he might be challenging you to speak up. Then pray for wisdom in how to do it, when to do it, what tone to use when you're doing it. Work out questions that are gentle that can ask for clarification. Maybe go to a mature, godly, wise counsel. But don't only do that if you're prepared to do what they say. <laughs> Make sure the timing is appropriate for both of you and meet face to face. Please don't email or text. I know I've said this for eight years, but especially late at night, you'd be surprised how many <laughs> disgruntled people do that. And you try to, you know, see that's the last thing you read before bed. Matthew 18, 15, 17 says, If your fellow believer sins against you, you must go to that one privately and attempt to resolve the issue, the matter. Then speak the truth in love. This comes from Ephesians 4.15, which is speaking that which is doctrinally correct and that which proceeds from a biblically committed life to a person who is in need of correction. When we speak the truth in love, we need all of those. We need to speak it. It needs to be truth. And it needs to be done through the filter of love. And a great filter of love is Corinthians, isn't it? Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Is that how you're approaching this possible peacemaking opportunity? Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honour. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offence. Are you confronting them because you're actually offended? 
Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Is it an opportunity for you to feel better than someone else? Prideful because they did something wrong and you've caught them out? Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Are you looking for the worst in them and judging? Or is it because genuine conflict resolution is needed so true peace can be made and a relationship strengthened? Everyone has their story, their experiences, their perceptions, and we don't know where they're coming from. They may be coming from a place of brokenness. So we need to approach these things with love and with his grace. And when we come with that gentle, non-judgmental spirit, not trying to shame people, we can make amends. Choose to be truthful and honest with yourselves and with God and with other people instead of appeasing or being afraid and avoiding. One of the hardest truth talks I had was when I was 20 and I broke off uh, an engagement and it was really horrible to have, have to do that but I had many sleepless nights beforehand with Holy Spirit really convicting me. But many people shared with me afterwards that they went through with their wedding because they didn't want to have conflict, they didn't want to upset anyone, they wanted to keep the peace, they didn't want to hurt their fiancé's feelings. And they all said, I wish I hadn't done that, it did much greater damage in the long term. And most of those people who shared that with me many years ago are divorced now. And that is just heartbreaking. It was unnecessary. Many marriages are stable, but they're not intimate. They function, but there's not a great deal of intimacy and it's, not, it's an unhealthy system with false peace. It may look like no conflict. I'm just agreeing with everything my partner wants so there's no tension. Keep them happy, but that's not true peace. Sometimes we can agree to disagree, especially over things that are not really important. You know, Stephen and I were joking earlier in the year, one was a pro-border opening, one was pro-keeping it shut. But it didn't affect that we loved each other, we weren't disrespectful to each other, we listened to each other's opinion, we could appreciate that, but we just had different um, opinion about it, and that's fine. It's not really that important. But I've heard people say, I don't agree with you. Well, you're not listening to me. Yeah, I'm listening, but I've got a different opinion. No, you're not listening to me. No, that's not what's going on. They have a different life experience. They have a different valid opinion, and that should be okay. It's dangerous, though, if we just give in to keep the peace. Even when our spouse is making poor decisions, or if it's taking away from being in church or fellowship or doing what God's called you to do. You know, often marriage counselling or marriage enrichment is about helping people break false peace and generational ways of speaking and behaving and listening, generations of habits and culture and resolving conflict, and relearning to be true peacemakers Christ's way. Now, we're passionate about people having great marriages. That's why we do um, wedding anniversaries every month. We do marriage tips amongst that. We promote Marriage Grid on the, post, on the podcast. They are exceptional. We're willing to invest time into couples to help them resolve conflict if needed, to give them the skills. Because as pastors, we equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And we want to equip you with good discipleship tools for all of your relationships. Now, sometimes for true peace in marriage, Somebody has to get frustrated or angry enough in the relationship to disrupt the peace and to force change. 
but it's very hard because it seems easier to stay with that false peace because it feels semi-stable and at least I know what's going on, I can handle that. If I disrupt it, then who knows what will happen. I'll just put up with it. But in marriage, to keep the peace is to live a lie. You know, we've worked on being teachable in our marriage and being honest but kind, speaking the truth in love so we have true peace. This is particularly uncomfortable for me because I have a lot more things that God and Steve have to make me aware of <laughs> and help me with. So right from early in our marriage, Steve would sometimes take this and go, your tone of voice isn't good. Oh, okay. It had contempt in it. One time at dinner, I was teasing one of our friends, Kendall knows and Jerry, and Steve spoke to me about when we got home, he said, you just started crossing a line, shifting into like mockery and ridicule. He goes, you need to apologise to Jerry and ask for forgiveness. Oh, that's so humbling. So I did, and I rang and I said, Jerry, I'm so sorry, and I apologise. And he started laughing, he goes, you don't need to do that. That's just what we always do. He goes, you changed. And I said, no, I actually do need to apologise and not speak to you like that. And thank you, yes, I'm trying to change. <laughs> Steve told me recently when I was upset about a certain text, he said, Nicole, you're leaking. And I said, what do you, what do you, I'm like, hmm, quietly, what do you mean by that? <laughs> he said, you had a hard time from some people and now you're reading through that lens of your past hurt. So I was leaking emotionally. And he said, you know, if I'm looking through a lens of hurt, betrayal, rejection, then I may be defensive or read a negative connotation to a text message that maybe isn't even there. So Steve's warning helped me to wait before responding and then to word the reply through the filter of love, which I did. Well, Steve took a risk there. What if I snapped at him? What if I rejected him or, I don't know, stonewalled him or something? You know, it seems easier sometimes to keep the peace, but he wouldn't have had inner peace. And I wouldn't have if I'd reacted badly to that innocent message. And it probably would have caused trouble with someone else as well. As parents, with our own kids, we can't be true peacemakers if we're scared to say no. You're not getting that. You're not going there. You're not watching that. Don't speak like that. You know best. Put in boundaries. Don't be scared of losing their love. God has placed us in their lives to guide, train, discipline, coach, share wisdom, use our experience. I'll say to a precious little two-year-old in our world using a whiny words, I'm hungry. Come back later and try again without whinging. And I breathe well, I like some winger. <laughs> then, Mima, can I please have something to eat? Yes, that's much better. Of course you can. But I have to be afraid to not losing that love or breaking the relationship or, you know, not thinking that I'm a favourite because I'm telling her off. <laughs> if we give in to everything, we end up with unappealing, entitled children that nobody likes and who have no self-control or perseverance and are whinging. It's not fair. <laughs> or they have a bad attitude. It actually can lead to anxiety and depression in kids. And there's not much joy in parenting when it's like that. They actually feel secure with consistent boundaries and you can equip them with great gratitude strategies as well. We heard about that yesterday, every woman gathering. 
As grown children, we may have parents who have plans for our lives and expectations that are not realistic or not appropriate. But maybe you don't talk to them for fear of losing their love or disappointing them. I love you, but I need to do what I want with my life. I love you and I respect and honour you, but this is not where things are heading for me. I'm not taking on that family business or I'm not living here or whatever it is. I'm not going to be the person that you have imagined me to be. We need to know who we are in Christ and what he has called us to do. As an employer, if you keep paying people not doing a good job or don't hold employees or volunteers accountable or they're toxic in their relationships or attitude because you're afraid of backlash, you're trying to keep the peace, you'll actually bring long-term pain to everyone that's involved. In church, it sometimes seems easier to, to know that someone, even a friend, is in sin or gossiping, causing trouble, and just to let it go on. Even listening can be misinterpreted as approval. We're biblically encouraged to challenge them, shut it down, remind them how to biblically mend relationships. As leaders, we're called to shepherd and protect the flock, and it sometimes requires having tough conversations. It's not very fun to have a disruption and conflict. But we can't suppress the truth. We can't compromise the word of God and his teachings. We can never have kingdom of God and true peace unless you first disrupt the false peace. You know, God commands us to seek peace. In Psalm 34, 14, Matthew 5, 9, he said we should make every effort to do what leads to peace in Romans 13, uh, 14, 19. Some things, that involves letting it go. Understand people have different experiences and perspective. But we need wisdom. We need to seek godly wisdom to discern what things need prayer and releasing and what things we need to confront, what needs to be discussed and processed. Of course, there'll be some people who do not desire peace, but we are still called to do our utmost to be at peace with them. Believers have an obligation to let the peace of God rule in their hearts. And this means we have the choice either to trust God's promises, letting his peace rule, or to rely on ourselves and reject the peace that he offers. God crafted you. He brought you into his kingdom, made you his own, and is transforming you so you would engage the world, not as a false peacemaker, but as a true one. Can't have lies and true peace. No kingdom of God can come where there's false peace and lies. We end up sacrificing inner peace for a false peace. And Paul writes about the peace of God that transcends all understanding. We can have peace in times where having peace does not make sense. The peace of God keeps life's challenges from paralyzing us. God's peace doesn't make our problems go away but it helps us keep our perspective focused on God, which provides hope for endurance. Having received this peace from God, we release it to all of those around us, our families, friends, the neighbourhood, in the workplace, in the church. Just gonna take some time to consider what God is speaking to you about today. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You came to lead, guide, counsel, challenge, comfort and teach us. What do we need to hear from you today?
Church, what is he showing you today? Show me, Holy Spirit. Am I holding resentment, bitterness, offense, unforgiveness toward anyone? Maybe you'll drop someone's name into your heart. Please forgive me, Lord. Help me to release it to you. Am I walking in false peace in any of my relationships? At work? In marriage? Parenting? Church? My friendships? Do I need to confront these? If so, give me wisdom and lead me to people who can help me prepare for this. Give me grace and wisdom to speak the truth in love and bring reconciliation. Show me if there's areas in my life where I'm not teachable or I'm disagreeable, judgmental, Proud, selfish, and flexible. Help me to surrender to you, to trust you. Bring change to my heart. Lord, I pray for those now that are battling with false peace. Help us, Lord. We pray for your perfect peace from the Prince of Peace himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we receive that today. Amen. As the next steps, is, is there something that you really feel to follow up with this week? Please do that. You might want to fill out a card and give it to Steve or myself. And you might just want to chat about how you can resolve something with someone or how you can get some prayer to let something go. Is there something any else that we can help you with? Please just complete this next steps card and pass it on to us. You can let us know if you need prayer, if you want to know more about following Jesus, if you want to volunteer, if you want to do college, whatever it is, anything else. Take advantage of this. Take a next step. And I encourage you this week to spend some time in prayer just to search your heart and see if there's anything there that Holy Spirit is just pinpointing, anything that he wants you to, to have a look at and deal with. It's a good God. And as we do that, it just takes all of that stuff we've moved under the carpet, smooths it out. It brings us into a place where we have that beautiful intimate relationship with our Father God and where we have that unity. And he says in his word, unity commands blessing. And I know that you're called to be blessed, to be a blessing. So just encourage you with that, church. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.